Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hello, everyone. Hi, my name is Bob. I'm a sexaholic. I'm your leader for this meeting. Our topic is Filling the Hole to Become Whole, a Better Alternative to Anger, Rage, and Fear. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Can I remind everyone that this is a taped meeting in the spirit of the 12th tradition, of the 12th step? The tape recorder cannot be turned off. If you do not wish to be taped, we suggest that you choose another meeting at which to share, or feel free simply to listen at this meeting. This time, I'd like to introduce our speaker, who is Stephen P. He will share his experience, strength, and hope for approximately 10 minutes on the topic of filling the hole to become whole. Stephen, come sit here, please. Good afternoon, everybody. My name's Stephen, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Stephen. My sobriety date is the 3rd of March of 1999. My particular MO uh, sexually uh, relates to um, compulsive masturbation and uh, use of pornography and the Internet and cruising for prostitutes, massage parlors, masturbation, and um, online pornography and masturbation, and a few, a few uh, other things, like um, masturbation. Uh, uh, in the year 2000 here in New Jersey, uh, Roy Kay came to one of our uh, events, during this event, he actually talked, he, he said something that struck very, uh, right at my core. He said, it's very interesting, it's very important for you if you're going to recover to understand your, uh, what it is, your core lust, I think he called it. The, what is the fundamental thing that you believe that you're actually lusting after? And the topic of the hole in me, which is what I'd like to talk to you about, is uh, is directly related to that. I don't know why I have a hole in me, but I'm going to try and describe it to you, and I'm going to uh, try and describe what it is I'm lusting for to try and fill it. Um, I've been to uh, lots of therapy, and uh, there's lots of people that have told me, because my, um, my mother tried to commit suicide in front of her kids, and my father was a sex addict, and I was molested at knife point by a, my scoutmaster at... Uh, when I was 13 years of age and all that sort of stuff 
Lots of people have told me that's had a big effect on me, but I, I find the more I uh, get that explained to me, uh, the, le- the more useless I think those people who tell you those things actually are. <laughs> I think that the $250 an hour to be told that what actually horrified me, horrified me is uh, somehow... <laughs> Somehow it's, uh, <clears throat> and I'm a consultant, and I'm a consultant, you know, and that's, um, uh, what I do know is that, uh, I grew into adolescence with a, a hunger inside me and a hole inside me that I needed to fill. And that hole was, uh, a part of me that cries out to be cared for. It cries out to get some attention and some sense of stability and control of my world. And what I discovered from an early age is that when I used my uh, East Birmingham guile and smarts with women, I got the sensation that it was being filled And what I discovered over the next 30 years is that I couldn't stop. I was 48 years old. I was lying on a carpet in a floor in Detroit of a woman who I was paying to have sex with me. And I couldn't stop. I'd walked out of my second marriage. I'd walked out of the house and slammed the door and she was in Detroit, I was in New Jersey. I built a a world to justify that anything that meant my hulk should be filled was okay. Nobody could argue with me. Uh, my wife discovered this and I we went into a sort of couples therapy, which I have to say... Uh, it was obviously too early or something because I found it just another place that I could manipulate and get what I want out of it. I went into couples therapy with a view that I could have all these relationships simultaneously. It was okay for me. That I would design my world to give it all to me the way I wanted it. And when I sat in uh, New Jersey those years later in 2000 with Roy and I, he actually took us through an exercise to actually write our, uh, our core lust, what it was we were really lusting for. I realized... That all those years, I've been lusting to have that hole in me filled. And I've just been going about it with any way I possibly can. I, 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 I'm a, I have been and uh, try very hard not to be. I'm a compulsive liar. I will cheat in anything. Anything. I have brothers who, uh, we play games. Whenever we get together, we play games and, and it's all about the best way to cheat, if you know how to, if I'm a crib player, a good crib player, but I can, I'm, when I'm cheating at crib, I'm much better. <laughs> I can beat you. I can compulsively lie. I'll abuse you if you don't agree with me. I'll fight. I had my first marriage was physical. I beat my wife. Because my hole has to be filled and that takes the most important thing. And when my stress is high, or is it they say in SA, hunger, anger, loneliness, tired. For me it was jet lag too, because I travel a lot. 
And I found jet lag triggered my emotional state to be complete and absolute, demanding of everybody around me that they've got to fill my hall. And I thank God for that day in uh, 2000, whenever it was, where uh, it just I just saw it very starkly. Uh, and you know, it doesn't matter now. I'm now uh, a few years on, seven years on from that point. It doesn't matter to me that I've got the hole. It took me a while to because I I felt that. Um, but I always remember a famous Woody Allen movie, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters, where there's a woman who is taking cocaine and he sneezes and the cocaine blows up and he turns around to the woman and he says, why the hell do you do all this? You know, I'm wasting all this money on cocaine and all this sort of stuff. And she says, well, my parents screwed me up. And he turns around and says a wonderful line, which is, he says, our parents screwed us all up. It's what you do from that point when you discover that that's absolutely important. And I found, I think that is so important. You know, I now have two adopted boys myself and in this country. And, you know, I think our children grow up into adulthood despite us. You know, they make a damn good job of it. And they draw on us and our parenting and things like that. The, uh, how I fill the hole then, once I recognize that hole, is critically important to me. It's also critically important to me to know the events in my life that will cause the hole to be greater and to be exaggerated, because that's when I feel triggered. And so I'm driving here to this convention, and I'm nervous for obvious reasons. And Newark, New Jersey, was where I was cru- used to cruise. And I could, and I could feel the, the old, you get what you want, lad, go for it. Screw the convention. Go, go down Route 21. I could feel the pull in my mind from all those years ago, still wanting to do it, you know, still wanting to fill. Uh-huh. And knowing the points, I think, where the, uh, the hole in me becomes so inflamed and so demanding, knowing the triggers for that is a very important part of my Recovery. Because those are the things that I try to avoid. Those are the things when they happen to me, I know I need to speak to people and reach out to people in doing that. You can probably tell for me, service in SA is very important. If I'm anxious and I'm feeling that I need to have my own way, I go to a meeting. And I can't go to an SA meeting without seeing the pain of the people around me, you know. I can't read that wall out there without feeling it. And if you haven't read what's written on that wall, I, I, I defy you to read it without, without, uh, relating to it and feeling the, uh, the hurt that's involved in it. You know, you was, uh, I'm so grateful that I'm not, I haven't been arrested and I'm not in prison and I'm so grateful that I don't claim to be a great father but we're together and it's going alright and they're in school and we've managed to hold the marriage together. Um, and I all that, I all that to people like you. The, the great advantage of, uh, the S of SA is our primary purpose 
which is a singular thing. It doesn't say our purpose is. So it's a primary purpose is one thing, and it's got two elements to it. One of them is to stay sexually sober. But the other part of our single purpose is to help others to achieve sexual sobriety. And you can't separate the two because they're one thing, because it's our purpose. We don't have a purposes. We have a purpose. And it is both things. And whenever I go to a meeting, it is people in the meetings like this, like you, that help me stay sober. Because when I can share and when I listen, I've never been to a meeting yet where I didn't learn something just by sitting there quietly and listening and relating and hearing people who are coming into the program and thinking, my God, I remember I used to do that. And I hear somebody describe the horrors of it in their world. Sometimes I think, my God, that's where I could have got to. So I have a lot of hope. I do think it's hard work. And I don't think the hole in me will ever heal. I don't think it's something that uh, I'm miraculously going to become some other person. I think it's as mu- it's a fundamental part of my character and my personality. So I'm in the program forever because of that. And I'm just eternally grateful because it's brought me into relationship with people like you. I'm fortunate, unlike you, I've had the chance to stand up in front of all of you in the last day and look at you all. And you see the face of God looking back at you. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Stephen, for your share. We're going to now open the floor for sharing because our common welfare comes first. Here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. If you wish to speak, please wait to be recognized by me. No cross-talking, please. Please keep your share to two to three minutes, allowing everyone to share his or her experience. I'll give you a little high sign when there's about 30 seconds to go so you can wrap up. Please stay close to the microphone and speak clearly. Actually, we're going to use an on-deck section over here, so once you're recognized, just stand there so that way it'll speed things up. We can have speakers come right away. Our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the SA 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors of publications other than SA or AA conference-approved literature. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis here is on recovery, the solution, using the steps in our daily lives. And please remember that this meeting is being taped. The floor is now open for sharing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks. <laughs> I'm Henry. I'm a sex addict from Akron, Ohio. I've been in the fellowship six and a half years. Um, I was abu- I, I recognize uh, some of the things from Stephen Share. I was sexually abused twice as a kid. Last time I was 13, it was in Boy Scouts, and it was uh, it was where uh, sex and shame was welded together for me. Um, I'm gay, and I grew up in a world that you know threw a lot of shame at me that way as well. And I, I, I when I saw the title of this breakout, um, I was 
really drawn to it because it's 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 only been I've only been able to really put it together uh, within the last six months to a year. I think really I lost my sobriety about seven months ago after three and a half years of sobriety. Um, I call it a God-shaped hole inside of me. Um, you know, I've got plenty of food. You know, I made sure of that. Did a lot of drugs. Um, took a lot of risks. My behavior went from isolated masturbation into moving into public things and very risky things. And um, all looking to fill that hole because I didn't know what it was. I didn't recognize spirituality as something that I lacked. I just didn't think it existed. And um, it, I, I really fundamentally believe that, you know, for me, my addiction is uh, a, a, a spiritual deficit that I, that's manifested physically and emotionally. And it is through SA that I've been able to um, learn how to fill that hole. It's not, it's not fully full yet, but as Stephen said, you know, my higher power works for me through you. I look into your eyes and I see God, you know, and, uh, you know, it's the fellowship that has embraced me. Um, it's the fellowship that's held me up. And when I look into your face and see God, if you're a mirror of me, then I can begin then to fill that gap because I got God in me too. And uh, for that, I am eternally grateful. So, the, you know, working the steps, being in the fellowship, um, certainly have helped me fill that spiritual gap. And, and again, thank you very much. Rami, sexaholic from Montreal. For me, uh, there's, uh, there's like, uh, uh, when I looked at the subject, uh, a hole, filling the hole to become whole, um, I, I looked at it in two levels. One level was uh, the hole in my heart, where I was absolutely uh, spiritless, emotionless, totally disconnected with myself, and this have to be filled as, as my recovery goes on, experience this whole array of feeling which I never knew before, and uh, trying to connect with, uh, with with myself and with my spirituality. So this is one hole that I'm trying to feel and becoming whole. The other hole is uh, the physical hole. I mean, sexual addict takes time. It takes time to be on the computer. It takes time to drive uh, for the prostitutes. It takes time to think. It takes time to look. And I needed to feel that time, this physical time. And so, so what I do, which helps me a lot, is, is I find a hobby. I find a hobby that, that creates a passion and a fire that the addiction created in the past. And that, uh, that hobby, that, 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 not a job, a hobby that will fill up my time, that would create this joy and happiness and would push away the emptiness it was before. And once I've got that hole filled up, and the other one filled up, then I would really feel as, as a whole. I'm not there yet, but I'm in the process. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sandy. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Sandy. 
Thank you, Stephen. Uh, good talk, and I related. I wasn't abused by my scoutmaster, but I related to almost everything you said. And um, I've, I don't want to plagiarize anybody in the program, but I've heard this described to me as I relate to it's a black hole. And it sucks. And it sucks me for shopping. It sucks me for food, which I'm still having issues with. It sucks me with work, and it sucked me with sexaholism. And I hurt my family, and I hurt a lot of people around me. And through therapy and then the essay program, um, it's taught me to fill the hole with God. I mean, without my spirituality or God, it would just be sucking me down. It sucked me down. I was suicidal. I was in rehab for four months. I mean, it really sucked me down. And now my life has never been better. And for me, I put spiritual things ahead of me. I go to meetings. I sponsor people. I um, work with people. I try to do other things. I like to relate a little story. My wife is a neat nick, and I'm not. And she leaves before I do, and I never make the I never made the bed. And she'd come home and freak out, <laughs> and yell and scream and say da 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 da. Now. I couldn't care less, but I make the bed because I know it makes her happy. And in the beginning, I heard people talk about, well, I was looking for a little bit. Yeah, that's, thank you. I don't care. I, I do it because I do little things. I do things for my children. And I've, for many years, my issue was affairs outside my marriage. I showed my kids the wrong things. I can't take that back. I have a lot of shame about that. But the only thing that I can do now is show them a different way, talk to them. You know, and that's how I make my um, eighth and ninth step to them. I've done it that way. I've actually told them, but I need to do it to my family on a daily basis. Thanks. Thank you. I'm Charlie. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Charlie. Um, the whole the whole for me is uh, is is deep and painful. Um, for the longest time, I really didn't even know I had a hole. I just acted out and, and used that as a form of, and, and denial as a combination just to fill that hole. I didn't even want to know there was a hole. I just wanted to think that I was bad as a person, unworthy, unlovable, all those mixed messages that you get from, uh, well, from my childhood at least. And, um, it was tough. Like I didn't want to feel. And I used my acting out as a form of, of escape and fantasy to avoid the pain of, of reality. And, uh, you know, now it's, it's tough because it's taken me many years just to even get to the point where I understand the whole. And I've gotten to the point where I'm not pointing the finger anymore of blame. The blame game doesn't do really much for me. Um, I realize that part of, my acting out, not only was it sexual, but it was, um, I was, uh, I would take it out on my parents. You know, I felt that they were responsible for, for me and I wasn't being responsible for myself and I would emotionally try to abuse them as much to get revenge because I felt that they emotionally abused me. And, uh, it took me a while to even realize that that was part of my acting out behavior. And, um, and that I had to take personal responsibility for my life. 
And I think that's one of the great gifts from uh, from SA is that ability to kind of give you consciousness and awareness of of where you are in this world and, and that there's a, a higher power that that loves me and uh, has a good purpose and plan for me. Now, that hole is is very deep, and uh, I still really don't know how to fill it. Um, I've been, you know, working on a spiritual journey for a few years, and, uh, and I still fall in the hole, <laughs> so to speak. And um, I haven't really filled it up yet, because uh, when I get in that place where I don't have an anchor, I, I inevitably fall and stumble and and act out. And um, and that's still my, my cross to bear, and, you know, that... It's sad to hear that, you know, that hole really, really, really never totally gets filled up. But uh, I know that it's progressive uh, victory and uh, with my higher power to learn how to get new coping skills. But, you know, thank God that there are, you know, people that are in this room that I can turn to for support and uh, and take away the shame and, and know that, you know, that there's a higher power that loves me that I can connect to. And, uh it's a, it's a process, so I'm just grateful that I have the consciousness and uh, I don't have to blame other people and that I'm learning to take personal responsibility. So that's all I have to say. Thanks. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I'm Ron. I'm a sex addict. Good to see everybody. Um, not only a sex addict, um I think of myself as an end-stage sex addict, um, taking myself really down a path that was um, more than self-destructive. It was life-threatening, and um, that didn't stop. Um, at one point, and I will go to the solution, but I want to put this in context, um, someone introduced me to something you know, illegal, and maybe that was a gift in that it got me into recovery, because I was really a hardcore sex addict. Uh, I wasn't ready to give it up. With that, what I've come to see 15 years later is um, that for me, the, the, the substitution for lust is intimacy. And I'm growing up in the last 10 years. Um, took a few years just to get started. And my therapist says, or People who influence me in the program and out share things that really help me. And one is when I get out of myself, I find myself. Some people will say love or prayer. And the more I do for others, the more I get. The old Ron was all about Ron. It was all about me. And the more I tried to fill that hole, the deeper I went into hell. So I'm really glad to be here today. And the good news is I am working toward intimacy. Thanks for listening. My name is Michael W. and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. And what's there for me is just the, I don't want to say, it's not a disconnect. I, I heard and I've actually experienced that, that trusting in a higher power, God does fill the hole. And where I, where I find myself is oftentimes in spite of evidence just not trusting it and this not not trusting that that if i if i if i surrender if i give over that it's going to it's going to have the impact that i've actually experienced that it's it's had and 
you know, just coming here, hearing other people's shares, actually being with you know, other people who are facing the same struggles, just to, to realize that you know, trust, trust is possible, that you can, you can trust it. And actually when you trust, when I do surrender, that, that hole is filled. And, you know, just where I am is just looking, just look, looking to trust and just looking to trust my higher power. Thanks for letting me share. My name is Ted. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, I got into this program in uh, September of 04, and for the first few months that I was in the program, I went to meetings, and I was listening to everybody, and uh, it was sort of out there, but I really couldn't connect with it. And then one day, someone gave me a CD to listen to, and uh, a guy with a very funny accent on it started explaining his story and got into this thing midway through about the hole inside. And the second he said it, that was my white lightning moment that made everything click into place. And I don't know how many times I, I've listened to that section of that CD describing his pain that was really my pain. And it made my whole life come into context in terms of what I was really, really, really looking for. And all that sex and all the internet and all the stuff that I had done didn't mean anything anymore because I finally understood that I was chasing the hole inside. And I started working to understand what created the hole. And again, I don't blame anybody as, as that person in his very funny accent went to great extents to say on the CD, it's no one's fault but my own. But I finally figured out what created the hole and that it would never be filled. That concept has guided me through recovery. And it's enabled me to deal with the shame and the guilt and the history and and the looks from the children and the wife and the ex-wife and all the other stuff that came along with it. Because knowing that as we say in the program, that people have gone before me, that there's someone that I can turn to and say, wow, he taught me this. He didn't even know who I was. And he shared that with me. He helped me save my own life. That's what this fellowship means to me, and that's what the hole means to me. I know that I'm never going to fill the hole, but I know there's a lot of people in this room and in the other rooms around here that um, if I can't fill it by myself, at least they're there to pick me up, they're there to help me from falling back into the hole because that hole is a deep, dark place with a lot of pain, a lot of lies, a lot of disease, a lot of cheating and lying. And it all looks good when I'm in it. But when I'm not in the hole, I see it for what it really is. And I want to take a personal when the second I saw this on the program a, a month or so ago, I knew who was going to speak at this session. And I just want to thank Stephen from the bottom of my heart for helping to save my life. Thank you. Hello, my name is Thad. I'm a sexaholic from Toledo, Ohio. Um, I'm completely uh, emotionally bankrupt. Um, uh, at the core of my being, I believe that I'm not good enough and worthless. And um, that keeps me from forging friendships, 
because I, I judge for people that they couldn't possibly be getting anything out of a friendship with me, so I save them the bother. Um, you know, I don't want them to figure it out on their own, so I cut it off. Um, my acting out, I um, paid people to be sexual with me. Um, I spent several years' salary um, with prostitutes and um, in strip clubs. And um, because I, you know, I, I never pursued acting out outside of a paid relationship because I felt so bad for somebody that they would find out that it wasn't worth it, that it was with me. And um, I, I, I've found that the volunteer work is something very empowering for me because I don't think that I'm worth, I, I don't think I'm good enough to help somebody. But when I go out and I do help others, um <clears throat> through whatever organization it is um, that that I can help people, that the people do think I have something to give. And that is incredibly empowering for me. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't find God in the people I help. I find God in the sense of community and humanity that we're all in this together, that feeling that we're all in this together that I get when I'm able to help people. And, um, that's that's what fills up my hole. Thanks. Hi, I'm Tim. I'm a sexaholic. And uh, I'm just really grateful for, uh, Stephen, for your story and for the shares. I, it just really, really speaks to my heart. Um, and the story that Stephen gave was that um, – just really resonated with me that, that, yeah, I can tell my story and, and tell why I have this whole. And yeah, it was because, um, I grew up as a kid with ADD and couldn't figure out how to relate to people. And I couldn't do well in schoolwork. So the teachers would yell at me and I felt ostracized. And, um, my peers called me gay because of the way I acted and couldn't, you know, I couldn't form normal relationships with boys and I was bad at sports and I could just go on and on and on and, and, um, create a really nice dramatic story about why I'm so messed up. Um, and <laughs> what I'm really coming to terms with in, in recovery is that, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe people were mean to me and, and that doesn't make things right or, but what I do have is a choice of how to respond to things. And I also have a choice of how I judge myself. I can't control how other people's opinions of me, but I can choose how to judge myself and how to respond to others. Um, and I'm not going to do it perfectly, of course. And, uh, that's another hard thing for me to accept that, uh, you know, I immediately, oh, now I discovered this. Now I want to really respond perfectly and, and, uh, not judge myself anymore. And that's, <laughs> um, pretty absurd. Um, and what's really come back to me over and over again is, is one of my favorite prayers of the prayer of, uh, St. Francis. And, and the one line is, um, to understand rather than to be understood. And I've gone through my whole life saying, well, people don't understand me. And, you know, so of course, you know, um, you know, they're idiots and, uh, obviously they're, they're buffoons and just don't want to understand me. And they, um, here I am, this enlightened being that understands things. And so I, um, when I seek to understand and to offer things and actually, know that in this moment I can do that. I don't have to wait to fix myself up first um, in order to serve people, that I can do God's work right now.
Hi, I'm Neil. I'm a sexaholic. I'm uh, very grateful to be here. Grateful uh, for the for the shares. Um, you, you know, this whole notion of a hole. You know, I, I thought I I think I heard somebody in their share say, uh, you know, I went through my whole life with this huge hole I never even knew I had, had just been acting out to cover it up to fill it uh, my whole life, and uh, that is kind of my story. I, I I've been a sex addict for the better part of 35 years since I was a teenager and um, have lived my whole life acting out in one form or another, uh, the worst of which has been over the last four or five years when, um, you know, I started, uh, you know, moved from pornography and uh, other things on the Internet to, you know, chat rooms and, and boards and uh, probably met up with uh I don't know, in the last four or five years, maybe 250 or more people, male, female, didn't matter, um, and uh, had um, sexual liaisons outside of my marriage. And um, and through a lot of therapy and uh, coming to the rooms and the meetings, I started to understand, you know, a bit about this hole inside of me, which, um, I don't know, could be as wide as Texas. Um <laughs> You know, I, I did suffer. I, I came to realize, uh, you know, from something called emotional or covert incest when I was young. Um, you know, my mother, just, you know, stuck in a crappy marriage with my father, chose to co-op me. Um, and, uh, you know, as her partner. And, um, you know, would constantly complain to me about my father and, you know, all the things that are wrong in her life and... Uh, so on and so forth, which, you know, is a, however old I might have been, 10 years old, 13 years old, 15 years old, uh, I, I probably didn't need to hear. And to this day, um, you know, she still does it, even though she's almost 80. And, uh, so, you know, uh, it's nice to know, uh, a little bit about, you know, where the hole comes from. Uh, but, you know, I also heard Cher here uh, just before that what, what's probably more important, uh, especially for me, is to just figure out how to move on uh, with my life and uh, and have healthy um, relationships and uh, and to stop uh, the acting out behavior that um, has really been so destructive for me, my life, my friends, my wife, uh, family, etc. And uh, so. Uh, you know, I never grew up with a lot of spirituality, um, and I've found that in the last year, year and a half that I've been in the program, which has been extremely helpful. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm working very, very hard to try to, you know, um, fill the hole in positive and constructive ways, as, um, as others before me have said. So, uh, anyway, I just, uh, you know, I think it's a great topic, and I just uh, wanted to get some of that out. So thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Tanya. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hey, um, I'm listening to other people. I come to the realization that everybody has a hole. Um, nobody that I know of has a perfect childhood. Uh, if you find someone, let me know. I'll be interested to talk to them and see what it's like. But uh, you know, I can go through my litany of stuff. My dad was an alcoholic and a workaholic. My mom and my sister were disabled. I was molested, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to downplay any of that in me or anyone else because, but 
you know, simp- like, like was said before, simply recognizing what the holes are isn't going to fill it. I have to figure out what it takes to fill it. For a long time, I thought it would be not just a relationship, but a perfect relationship. You know, even when I was married, you know, relationships aren't perfect. And, um, you know, so I'd fantasize about other guys. And for years, I wasn't physically acting out, but I was in fantasy. And, um, you know, that didn't, you know, that didn't fill my hole. I thought it filled my hole, but it just created bigger holes because it created holes in my children. It created holes in my now ex-husband. It created holes at work. It created holes in church. It created holes everywhere. Um, the only thing that can fill my hole is God. And, um, that's the one, if you can call it a perfect relationship, it's only perfect on one end because I'm not perfect. But at least on one end, it's a perfect relationship. And uh, that one relationship that I can count on uh, no matter what to fill that hole. So I'm grateful to have God and I'm grateful to have this program. Thanks. Hi, I'm LB Sexaholic. Uh, I haven't shared in any of the meetings yet. I've been to several, and I have found myself in uh, a really judgmental place. Not uh, none of the shares I've heard yet today were perfect and have healed me. <laughs> and so I finally decided, probably at my higher powers nudging, I needed to get my ass up here and share something imperfect and just get it over with, so I can be just back down on level with you guys. Um, <laughs> Crazy. Uh, so and I'm really glad that everyone's here um, because this has been extremely uh, good for me um, for my recovery. I related really to what one person said as far as um, filling the hole, having a hole. Um, I didn't know that I had a hole for a long time. Um, I, you know, acting out and just being compulsive, obsessive, whatever, I just never noticed until... I started to stop trying to do some of those things uh, and realize that I was just really unhappy. Uh, there was just something, you know, I'd heard it called a hole. There was, uh, I was empty inside. I was numb. I was, you know, just all these different things seemed to speak to that same, that same thing for me. I was really anxious. If I got still and quiet enough for long enough, I, I would always get really uncomfortable and still do sometimes. Um, but I think for me, um, when you hear people talk about making the real connection, um, that seems to uh, fill my hole, or at least part of it. Um, and, and that is just staying really connected with the program, staying connected with people. I have an affirmation that I say every night, um, being vulnerable and sharing feelings keeps me connected and sane. Um, and, as, as, and as long as I remember that and do that, and this, this, is, this is it for me right now, what I'm doing is is filling my hole, is staying connected and being honest with you guys about my judgment of you. You know, um, I, I come back down and, and I get, I get reconnected. Um, so I guess that's all I want to share. Thanks. Hi, I'm Julie, uh, grateful recovering sexaholic. And, um, I too kind of forced myself up here because I've, um, I've been sitting in judgment mostly of myself, I think, and um, trying to figure out um, where I'm at and what beautiful words of wisdom I can share with everybody and make them better. I, I think I'm an s uh candidate, too, but uh, <laughs> I just, um, I'm grateful for uh, Bill. Is that your name? <laughs> Stephen. Stephen. I'm sorry. Stephen's 
definition uh, of the whole because um, it's just it's a simple one, and and I'm going to take it home with me, which is uh, I think you said just longing to be cared for, and uh, that's enough for me to think about because if I think about the whole for very long, I'll really like fall into the abyss. You know, it's, it is it can be. Uh, and it's pretty simple. It's, it's, um, and it's an okay thing. It feels okay, you know, to, to want to be cared for, you know, like, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is, uh, taking that to an extreme and, uh, looking, uh, to men to, to fill that hole, um, and I, I just jotted something down that, you know, I, I really truly <laughs> bought into that concept that, um, you know, a man would make me complete. You know, I'd get married and I'd live happily ever after somehow. And I was raised by two lesbians. So, like, tell me what that's all about. <laughs> like, so therein lies the logic and the blame. Um you know, thinking that a man will give me purpose, but resenting the hell out of them the whole time, him the whole time, um, blaming men, the men I went out with, society, every institution I could ever think of, the cosmetic industry, you know, Hollywood, uh, my mom, my dad, and um, for for a decision that I made to give myself away. Because I wanted something back, you know. And what really clicked for me about lust is when Roy K. was sharing last July, June, whenever it was in Maryland, and said it was about a taking. And uh, I think that's what he said. So anyway, I'm really grateful for all, all of you and grateful to be here. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Patrick, covering sexaholic. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be here. From by filling the hole uh, inside myself uh, with relationships, especially uh, sexually based ones uh, with women, even up until recently, has only made things worse for me. And I know that in the past, um, in the program, finding the tools and reaching out to others and calling my sponsor and reaching out in service has made a big difference. My prayer life and connection with God has been really lacking lately, and it's it's obvious now why I acted out recently. Uh, again, I am grateful for everyone here, and I know that there is healing and hope and a solution in this program so if anyone is doubting themselves uh, or their ability to do their best, uh, I say keep coming back and, uh, you know, God and others will lead you through this. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dale. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Um I guess, you know, there's a lot of things that comes to mind because I always have lots of opinions and <laughs> lots of uh, things, you know, going in my head. But um, the thing, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, thinking about a hole to fill, and, you know, everybody's story is different, but for me, uh, at least one of the things that it really comes down to is um, my sense of self-worth. And, um, 
you know, I, I, unlike a lot of sexaholics or people with addiction, for the most part, um, my family was pretty healthy, uh, very loving, supporting, um, affectionate, um, certainly not perfect, but, you know, at times, you know, through the last few years, I'm like, you know, well, why me? You know, why did I become an addict or a sexaholic when I had, for the most part, a pretty loving, you know, um, nurturing family? And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever know why, and I don't know if I have to know the reason why, but um, for me in high school, in my teenage years, uh, I I became just very self-conscious. Um, I didn't fit in socially. I was kind of a, you know, a nerd. I, you know, I did really well in school but just had a hard time making friends. And um, I didn't make the connection at all with, you know, while well, I was masturbating a lot and getting into pornography. I just thought, well, I just like that because it's exciting or, you know, whatever. And um, even through the years um, and after getting married, I was always aware of the fact that I never had any close friends and specifically any close guy friends. And I always just thought, well, I'm too busy or... They're just, you know, weird or, you know, there's not enough people out there who just want to make friendships. And um, it never really occurred to me that, you know, really it was because I was isolating myself. Um, You know, I really looked to lust. I really looked to my drug to give me a sense of self-worth. You know, this false fantasy, this illusion that um, everything's, you know, revolved around me. And... um, so for me, you know, filling filling the hole um, is about connecting, you know, first of all with God, um, but also with with people and relationship. And um, I'm really thankful for what Stephen shared and just for the program because, you know, for me now when I feel triggered or I'm struggling with lust, I realize it's not just about well I need to not act out, but to ask the questions which a number of people have you know, alluded to, well, what's going on with me? You know, why is it, what is it that I'm looking for? And um, a lot of it for me really is um, relationship and intimacy and, uh, you know, significance. And if I don't, for whatever reason, feel significant or I feel lonely or rejected, um, then that's a hard place for me to be. But I know I don't have to act out anymore. I know I have healthy choices through this program and through my connection with my higher power that I can turn to. And I'm extremely grateful for that. So thanks. Hi, I'm Eric, uh, recovering sexaholic. Um, Something I've been enjoying about this entire process this weekend so far is that if I close my mouth long enough... uh, Stop trying to think of quirky things to say when I get up front and listen and listen hard. Uh, something will hit. Something will click that never did before. And I wanted to share quickly what that was. And it has to do with the whole. Um, my earliest memory is that I must have been six or seven when I began masturbating. Um, and as I told somebody, as far as I can tell, it wasn't long after I learned to tie my shoes. What in the world is a child that young trying to do? They're sure as heck not lusting, at least not in the way that I think of. There's a hole. 
there's something missing. Now I've, I've done the psychology bit, um, you know, continued to go and see psychologists and, and get help and guidance. Um, and you have the logical explanation of, well, your, your father was an alcoholic and, and so he was emotionally not present and he wasn't even physically present. You were abandoned. Okay. Uh, your mother was uh, damaged. She had been molested and she wasn't emotionally present. Okay. That's all nice and fine. Um, so I was filling a hole of loneliness. Just, just taking this, this way of looking at it and looking at that young child again and seeing what he's trying to do, um, has just shown a completely new light on to, uh, how to go about filling that child's hole, um, to maybe pay more, more attention to him. Thanks. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm a sexaholic. Um, very grateful to be here for this meeting. I've heard a lot of good shares. Um, I was just thinking as everyone was sharing um, the paradox of this program, um, you know, in order to get some power over this, I had to admit I was powerless. And I think my spiritual journey has taught me that, um, you know, I was taking and taking and taking to fill this hole, but really the only way I can fill the hole, at least for me, is by giving. Um, giving my strength, experience, and hope, giving my time, uh, giving just my ears, listening to someone else who's in pain who needs to talk, you know, about what they're struggling with. And maybe I relate to that and I can give, um, you know, some compassion or, you know, give an experience that I had that was similar. And um, that's really all I got. Thanks. Well, I'd like to thank Stephen and all the participants for sharing. How about a round of applause for everyone? And just to summarize a few of the key recovery ideas that I heard today, um, having a hobby and throwing yourself into that is a great way to find joy and fill the hole. Sponsorship, service, volunteer work in general, and just being giving and focused on other people can help us to fill the hole up. And the one phrase that I heard that really stuck was, being vulnerable and sharing feelings keeps me connected and feeling whole. Remember, this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear hear are told in confidence and should be treated as confidential. Please give any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about an essay to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. Let's stand and uh, join hands and say the serenity prayer.
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.